Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for Thanksgiving, the 24th day of November 2022. Happy Thursday, happy Turkey Day. Short show. It's not just a best of or anything. There was just some stuff that went on that I wanted to comment on. And you're going to be driving probably today, so what the hell? I figured I'd give you a show. Don't forget this Thanksgiving to give thanks to this program at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com. You join up, you get the weekend F and review Saturday, you're gonna get a chance to win an autographed book from President Trump or Anne Rice, your choice. All sorts of goodies there and extra bonus content. Appreciate that. Tomorrow's show will be a David Limbaugh interview, another I don't know, fifteen minute show or what have you, but it'll be good eating. Good eating, guaranteed. Not as good as eating today, but still better than a plate of cold leftovers. Appreciate all your support. All right, let's get on with the show. Lots of stuff going on, tons of things to talk about as we prepare you for a uh, tryptophan coma and turkey and stuffing and ham and all that good stuff. Remember the Colorado Springs shooting? We talked about it yesterday. And remember Ben Collins, NBC News reporter extraordinaire on the dystopian beat covering those evil transphobic Right-wingers who drive people to commit murder. That's what Republicans do. It's just science. It's simply science, according to the Ben Collinses of the world. Well, quite honestly, Ben Collins should be fired. I mean, Ben Collins should have been fired already. But Ben Collins should absolutely be fired, as we have learned other new developments This is the problem with reporting in the immediate aftermath of anything where confusion and uh, no new information reigns. So much of it turns out to be false. Whether it's because people just don't know but they wildly speculate or it's because they simply don't give a damn and want to advance their agenda is irrelevant. Being wrong used to have consequences as a reporter. At least it would come with embarrassment and a uh, a public order of crow for you. You'd have to go out there and say, we regret the year. Even Dan Rather, who hates still to this day George W. Bush, had to go out there and issue an apology on CB. He ended up getting fired anyway, but he uh, eventually, shortly thereafter, but he ended up having to go out there on the public airwaves that he'd used to smear George W. Bush falsely with counterfeit documents and acknowledge, sorry about that, those we can't, they, they worded in such a way that it's, it's almost the fault of the people who were offended. It's almost the fault of the target that refused to die. Well, we were, we were unable to verify. We did not live up to the scrupulous standards. We could not verify the documents. More than that, it's that all the evidence of their you know existence points to them being fake. It's not like well we could we're still missing that last piece of the pie, but we're still going to dig through and find it. But as for right now, we don't really have enough, so we're retracting temporarily. No, 
it's the font used in the documents didn't exist at the time when this document was written. It's the technology to print this document existed in like three places and was wildly expensive and it certainly wasn't in existence at an Air National Guard base in Texas or wherever it was that Bush served. So like, it was impossible for this document to be real. You just didn't bother to check it because it said exactly what you wanted a document like that to say. And so the term fake but accurate was coined by the people defending Dan Rather. Yes, those documents were fake, but the information contained therein was probably accurate. Dan Rather got fired over that. Ben Collins should get fired over what he did yesterday. I'm not going to replay the clips for you, but it was him on Morning Joe crying almost on the verge of, I don't know what more I could do. I don't know what more I could do. What a monster. These these right-wingers out there having a problem with grown men in women's clothing shoving their genitalia into the face of children. They're the problem. And they led to the deaths of five people who just wanted to be safe in liberal Colorado Springs. This strip mall was the only place people could be safe. Like, really? The only place people could, gay people could be safe? That sounds a little bit bizarre. Is this is Colorado Springs a throwback to the 1920s or something? No, it's not. It's, a, you know, in a progressive state. Just overwhelmingly elected Democrats statewide to the United States Senate. Not exactly the bastion of right-wingism, you might think. So when it turns out now that the shooter is non-binary and uses they-them pronouns, they-them pronouns, meaning they are a leftist lunatic and buy into all that progressive BS, suddenly the entire narrative that Ben Collins was pushing just 24 hours earlier is blown to hell. It is torpedoed. It is torpedoed. Now, I'm going to play you a clip from CNN last night. It's rather funny because Alison Camerata is reporting this as it's breaking, and she doesn't know what to make of it. No one in the panel knows what to make of it. And you're going to hear Alison Camerata commit what is a deadly sin, a fireable offense if you are not of the left. They, she misgenders the killer or sorry the alleged killer you have to say i don't know why you have to say that the guy was caught doing it we all know it was him but uh yeah the alleged killer she says she reports camarada that oh and they use the they them pronouns and then she immediately goes julia i don't know what to make of this and starts using he pronouns male pronouns that's expressly not what it is now if you did that to anybody else you would immediately be canceled. And I guarantee you somewhere out in the bowels of Twitter, there are people who are taking offense with what she said. But it is uh, rather telling that this story has evolved. And then one of her expert, expert panelists tries to explain why this might be uh, a ploy, you see. A ploy because they're trying to mitigate the charges of the hate crime. Now, this person's going to jail for the rest of their life. They killed five people, right? They shot like 17 other people, this guy did. 
So, um, shaving five years off of, I don't know, 10 life sentences, probably is, especially when the judge goes in order to be served consecutively, probably isn't going to make much of a difference in the grand scheme of things. It's not going to change his departure date for hell. But if you did, but they're, they're trying to say that, well, maybe he's just trying to do this as a ploy. Now, what are we told? Before you hear this, what are we told every time somebody, some man says, I'm a woman. I identify as a woman. What are we told? We have to believe them. That trans women are, in fact, women. They're just the same as women everywhere else except for the penis and the fact that they're always referred to as trans women and not women. If trans women were, in fact, women, A, wouldn't have the penis, and B, um, wouldn't have to have surgery to turn to change what they do have, and uh, they, B, wouldn't have to have the prefix, trans, right? If trans women are women, then wouldn't the saying just be women are women? I mean, Depeche Mode made the song People Are People. Can't be that different. But no, they acknowledge... In while demanding, it's weird. They demand that something is while acknowledging that something isn't. At the same time, it's quite a bit of uh, verbal jujitsu. You got to give them credit for that and props for that. But trans women are women. Then why do you call them trans women? No particular reason. Just kind of do whatever. <laughs> but this guy, this expert on with CNN, you're about to hear denies it oh no, 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 not all not all non-binary because if you declare yourself to be non-binary to be gender fluid to be pansexual to be whatever we have been told by the left that that is the case and to question it is some sort of phobia yet this guy not a lawyer does just that in this case and nobody expresses outrage over it. anyway it's, it's very funny because allison camarada is is lost she can't rap her feeble little mind around this because the narrative itself that they had so carefully constructed and participated in the construction of collapsed like a house of cards. Attorneys for the accused shooter, Anderson Lee Aldrich, say in new court filings tonight that the suspect now identifies as non-binary. In a footnote to a motion asserting legal privileges, the public defenders say, quote, Anderson Aldrich is non-binary. They use they, them pronouns, and for the purposes of all formal filings, will be addressed as Mix Aldrich. So in other words, not Mr. or Ms. Joining me now, CNN political commentator Errol Lewis, also back with me, Al Franken and Joe Walsh. I don't know what to say about that. I mean, that's not anything that we had heard from his background. You know, people have been looking into his background, and uh, I don't know if anybody here, are you guys lawyers? I no. mean, you know, I don't know if the, I, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, th- it, that's what he's now saying. It, it sounds like they're trying to prepare a defense against a hate crimes charge. That's the least of his problems, legally speaking. But it looks like they're trying to build some kind of sympathy or at least confusion on the question of whether or not this was purely motivated by hate. Such a, I mean, that is what it sounds like. We'll wait to see. That is what it sounds like. Couldn't possibly be that this person is a nut and, you know, one of his own. It's kind of funny. It sounds like she immediately starts calling him he again, but we're told to misgender somebody is the same thing as dead name. Now, this guy changed his name, too. And so there's a lot of reporting on his old name or his dead name. 
It's amazing how leftists can commit all these unforgivable sins without notice and without concern for being canceled that a mere mortal could not do. All hell would break loose if you or I dared misgender anybody. But it's it's hilarious watching these people trying to get a defense against and some sympathy for uh, the hate crimes charge. Oh, yeah, no, you mean the additional five years over and above the five consecutive life sentences that he faces? Yeah, you definitely want to. And that's not even like the five. That's not even considering the 17 other people that he shot, that he just wounded. Yeah, you really want to mitigate those last five years. It's one of their own. It backfired on them. Sorry, look, it's, I don't I don't relish playing this game, but I do enjoy, and I will admit enjoying endlessly, pointing out the hypocrisy and how immediately things change once facts are known. So how is Ben Collins handling this? About as well as you might expect. He's actually... He wrote a big, long piece about how horrible right-wingers are for going, and he did all his TV appearances about how horrible right-wingers are for blah, 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 the transphobia, and and then it turns out it's one of their own. And he has not written a piece about that. He instead, he linked to the Axios piece about it, to Justin Colorado club shooting suspect, as non-binary attorneys say. Ben Collins has two updates on the Colorado Springs case. The suspect, and he lists the suspect's name, is requesting to go by they, them, according to court documents provided to the New York Times. Not really provided to the New York Times. They're provided to everybody. The Colorado Springs suspect was 15 when they requested a name change to Nick Brink. Nick Brink was subject to, quote, particularly vicious bout of online harassment, and had one YouTube video, a profanity-laden cartoon dubbed Asian Homosexual Gets Molested. Brink's harassment uh, by Edgelords Online, I don't know what the hell that means, was thoroughly documented in on the hate site Encyclopedia Dramatica, which outlined a harassment campaign uh, repeatedly calling Brink a pedophile. They accrued some of the posts and mocked Brink's grandmother's GoFundMe to send Brink to Japan. And he posts screen captures. Encyclopedia Dramatica, the hate site that compiled years of records of online bullying of the Colorado Springs suspect, updated the page when they realized Aldrich had an entry for years, adding that Aldrich, quote, shot up a gay bar because he was tired of all the harassment, end quote. So even in sort of passively admitting that he was full of crap yesterday and lying and speaking out of turn and his big star turn, as a matter of fact, was based on BS. Not I can't even say bad reporting because Ben Collins didn't do any reporting. He did thinking. He did feeling. But it was based on BS. Even then, he pivots to... Oh, those damned right-wingers were harassing this guy, and that's why he did this. Not directly, subtly by proxy, but the sentiment is there. There has been no acknowledgement by Ben Collins, aside from the fact that the story exists, that his story, his claim to fame, his allegations yesterday were garbage, were absolute, total, and complete garbage. That it wasn't, so so this non-binary, they, them person, what, went to a Trump rally? 
and heard about how conservatives don't really want adults grinding their genitalia in front of small children and suddenly decided to go and hit this guy MAGA. This guy's MAGA has gone away. By the end of the weekend, this story will go away. It's weird because before this part of the story broke, I again watched NBC Nightly News just out of curiosity. Like, is it Brett Baer I watch every day? I watched the Brett Baer show. They got to this story at the halfway point, I think it was, of the show, 6.30. NBC Nightly News led with this story. They led with this was their big story. It's another day of this story. I suspect it'll be the same today. Um, but, well, maybe not today, maybe not now after this. I wonder, I'll watch and see if they even bother to mention it. That'll be interesting to see. But I suspect by, I mean, they'll have to acknowledge it on the Sunday shows because it'll be a slow news week. But this story will go away now, especially as more evidence comes out to back up that this person is a lunatic leftist. This story will go away, just like all the other stories went away. But the problem is, thanks to journalists, in quotes, like Ben Collins, the lie is already spread. The lie is metastasized throughout the body politic. It has metastasized throughout the general public. Homophobic attack by right-winger inspired by Republican rhetoric and laws against transgender people and don't say gay and blah, 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 and the hatred that the right-wing has for cross-dressers or drag queens or whatever you want to call them. That story's out there. There are people who no matter what comes out, up to and including if this guy, this killer, were to go and take the stand and say, I did it because uh, somebody turned me down, whatever it was. If it's had nothing, it doesn't matter what they say, what can be said, what is reported, what is discovered, the lie will stick with a huge percentage of the people. And by a huge percentage of the people, I mean the left and people who simply just occasionally catch news. Because what NBC News reports, what ABC News reports, what CBS News reports, what the New York Times reports, that gets reported on local TV. That gets regurgitated and rewritten in local newspapers. It's not just, well, somebody doesn't watch NBC News, they're fine. No. You watch an NBC News affiliate, you watch a news update during primetime television, you can't escape it, even if you want to. The only thing you can't escape is the ultimate truth when it does come out because the people with the giant megaphones to save their own reputations and to keep the narrative alive bury that. So as the left is reeling from, and I'd be really curious to see how NBC News in particular handles the news out of Colorado Springs. This person is non-binary, on the gender spectrum, and one of their own. Mayor, Secretary, Mayor, it's amazing to me, like uh, Ben Collins spent all day yesterday congratulating himself for being so ahead of the curve and so caring. And a whole bunch of leftist journalists all said, oh my goodness, it is a horrible thing and uh, we understand and you've done a great service here. Ben, the way you're so heroically out there saying what all of us believe. It's it's really bizarre to me what constitutes heroism with the left, isn't it? 
There's bravery. Oh, very brave statement there. You mean the statement they gave when they came out and agreed with the conventional wisdom, towed the party line, and said so to a group of people who all shook their heads in agreement? That's bravery? I don't, I don't view that as bravery. Lots of things, but I don't view that as bravery. But then again, I'm not a, an unthinking leftist. Secretary Mayor Pete over there, while you still can't get baby formula, is very concerned about what happened. I wonder if his concern will change now that the facts are known. But the two days ago, which is weird because he waited till November 21st. This happened on November 18th. Why, why the delay, Pete? I don't get it. He tweeted out, Quote, if you're a politician or media figure who sets up the LGBTQ community to be hated and feared, not because of any of not because any of us ever harmed you, but because you find it useful, then don't you dare act surprised when this kind of violence follows. Don't you dare act surprised. Oh, Secretary Mayor Pete, his uh, husband, Chaston, is also on Twitter. I can only imagine what... Chaston tweeted, or maybe Chaston got Pete's phone and uh, tweeted that for him because that's the general tone of Chaston's tweets. But I'll take uh, tweets that didn't age well for a thousand, Alex. That tweet did not age well, as we know now. Will Secretary Mayor Pete retract that? Probably not. Being a liberal means never having to say you're sorry. But reality has a weird way of derailing what? Not the right. It very frequently derails the right. It derails the left. It does. They set these narratives. They declare things to be absolute. And then they are not. It's very bizarre, don't you think? It's weird that it all goes in one direction. How could it all go in one direction? By the way, just so you you know here... According to the UK Daily Mail, I think it's the UK Daily Mail, the guy, the killer's father was a porn star. It's his estranged father was a porn star. Now, who knows if this will pan out, why they're rushing to do journalism uh, to this depth, they should probably just get the facts straight about the story before they bother with anything else, right? I mean, what a novel, crazy idea. But all of this stuff is running out there, and nobody, nobody is going to pay a price for the essential blood libel against all conservatives that was the coin of the realm for the first three days of this that will stick in the craw and stick in the minds of so many people. And a guy named Andrew Lawrence, he's director, deputy director. They apparently need two people for rapid response at Media Matters for America, a left-wing organization that uh, is a testament to conservatives' stupidity, Republican president's stupidity from Bush to Trump, that they did not have the IRS look into this group. It was a violation of their tax-exempt status. They're supposed to be nonpartisan. They are an appendage, whichever appendage you so choose, of the Democrat Party, and there's obvious coordination happening. And, and pure, you know, it's funny because there were ethics complaints filed against anybody in the Trump administration who dared say something, anything 
remotely political or that could be construed as political from the podium at the White House. And most of those complaints were at least vocalized. They were um, filed by left-wing groups, but they were vocalized by members of the press. Kellyanne Conway is getting particularly political. At the White House podium today, said NBC News or MSNBC News, whichever. And it was in response to some MSNBC News question about, you know, Donald Trump is a monster and he's running for... They, they, it's in response to a question from those people. They're like, oh, the response was political. They're not allowed to do it. They're not allowed to answer that. And they'd file these complaints. But these nonprofits during work hours... On work, see, when I worked at the Heritage Foundation, we were told day one, do not do anything political in, in work hours. They had just come out of the Clinton administration where they had been audited, I think, like six of the eight years or something. Just coincidentally, they'd been audited. It was one of those things. And they were absolutely paranoid. They were very concerned about losing their charitable status, which they should have been. You know, you can't, can't abuse. There are laws you have to follow. So they, don't, they said don't even use, like if you logged in, Gmail wasn't a thing at the time, but don't log into your personal email, your Hotmail, and email political things even from your personal email on our computers. Because the timestamp, because the digital footprint, if you're using our things to uh, do in our time to do political work, we could get screwed by that. That was always the line. That was always the mantra. And we did. At least I didn't do it because I was paranoid about it. Not that I was really doing anything political from the bookstore, but you get the point. Now these people intermingle all the time. The nonprofit media matters. 24 hours a day, their Twitter feeds of the employees are bashing Republicans, complete and total partisan activism. Are they exempt from the rules? It seems like it. Anyway, Andrew Andy Lawrence tweeted out, sorry to get all partisan and political, but I don't want any more mass shootings at gay bars. Unsaid is, but you can go ahead and keep shooting people in Chicago because they're black. And then he says, I know I'm going to come off like a libtard here, but I just think conservatives should stop targeting vulnerable populations with lies that lead to murder. Again, very partisan activity. Now, that was on November 22nd. On November 22nd in the evening, see, that was at 9.29 a.m. During work hours, one would think, for Media Matters, that was tweeted out. By 9.29 in the p.m., it was known that this person was on the left's team. Now, has Andy Lawrence issued a retraction, an apology, or no? That would be too much like a decent human being. And Media Matters for America does not hire decent human beings. There is no way in which these people engage in anything that could constitute being a decent human being. Not at all. It's who the left is. It's how the left is. They're very gross people. Have I mentioned that before? I think I've mentioned that before. I have. All right. Well, since we're talking about uh, President Fauci and COVID, Dr. Ja, J-H-A, he is President Biden's COVID advisor. He is, his first name is Ashish, 
I believe. I'm going to butcher it anyway. He was there at President Fauci's farewell, too, because, you know, when there's cake, you get a lot of people showing up. He made a point that is, this is why people don't trust government. This is why people don't trust experts. And this is why people shouldn't trust experts. He's part of the problem. President Fauci, I laid out why President Fauci is a part of the problem. Now the top advisor, and this guy, I'm sure, as we see a resurgence in COVID, which we likely will see over the winter, because that's when these sorts of bugs spread most virulently. Hopefully the new strains will be weak and uh, not noticed, whatever, but it's still likely to spread as people go inside for extended periods of time as the weather turns chillier. Dr. Jaw lies. It's patently false here. He says that we can prevent every death, every death, by getting the jab. I'm not Let's Just listen to it. It's a very short clip. An important part of the conversation we have in the days and weeks ahead. Because here's what we know. If folks get their updated vaccines and they get treated, they have a breakthrough infection. We can prevent essentially every COVID death in America. That is a remarkable fact two and a half years after we found this virus first in our country. But it's going to take all of us to make that happen. So please, don't wait. Get your COVID shot. Get your flu shot. That's why God gave you two arms. You can one in each arm if you want. That's not why God gave you two arms. If you say that, then God gave you two legs to run away from a government bureaucrat trying to tell you to inject things into your body that you may or may not need that definitely don't work and will not, quote, prevent every death, effectively prevent every death. Now, I'm not anti-vax. If you are older, if you are uh, susceptible, if you're vulnerable, if you have a pre-existing condition, what have you, it makes sense. It is a temporary immune booster. There's no doubt that it's a temporary immune, immune booster. But to say that you can affect, if everybody just gets the shot, to prevent, or oh, by the way, if you get a breakthrough infection, breakthrough infections, quote unquote, are wildly common. That's the problem. And then there comes a certain point that once you reach the tipping point of 50% of the people who have gotten the shots, getting so-called breakthrough infections, they are no longer the exception. They are, in fact, the norm. And the American people, while they're very skilled, the government is at concealing data that is inconvenient to their particular narrative. If you know something, odds are you know people who have had COVID or you yourself have had COVID. The odds are that you know a lot of people who've had COVID who've been shot, boosted, double vaxxed, double boosted, triple boosted, whatever. You've had a lot of that experience. So you begin to see this condition. Now, the odds are you also probably don't know somebody who died of COVID. As weird as it is to say you might have heard of somebody. I don't personally know anybody who had, knock on wood, I don't want to know. But I have known people who have died, like friends of my dad, have died of COVID. I'm not a COVID denier. You can get that at plenty other places, but not here. But it is... uh, when you make ridiculous, unprovable, unfounded, and contrary to everybody's lived experience, 
statements like, we can prevent every death if you just get the shot. You lose people. You lose your credibility. And quite frankly, you should lose your credibility. It's garbage. You're full of crap. There is no evidence whatsoever that this thing is very effective, certainly for very long. And if you really want to say and encourage people, the people who most would need it, you tell people who are 70 years older or 80 years old, whatever the cutoff is where government has the data, you say, hey, you guys get shot, get boosted. Do that. People with pre-existing conditions, people with depressed immune systems for whatever, get the shot, get boosted, get the new variant shot, do that, do the other thing. But if you're young and healthy, don't do it. The problems with your heart that are seemingly linked to, but nobody wants to study because then you'd have to deal with government complicity and immunity for the pharmaceutical companies, those short, sort of a sudden deaths, sudden adult deaths, your risk of dying suddenly is still infinitesimal. Don't get me wrong. But it is significantly higher if you're younger and healthier. If you're a a 20-year-old man or a 15-year-old boy who's otherwise healthy, your risk of dying from COVID, it's still there. It's still, you know, very small, but it's still there but is significantly smaller than your risk of having heart issues from the shot, seemingly. Now, government won't study that. There have been studies out of other countries, but the government doesn't really acknowledge that. I don't know what the hell the pharmaceutical companies have on our government administrators, aside from maybe a whole bunch of stock options that they're going to willing to give these people. But your risks are significant. Not ins- Well, they're insignificant in the grand scheme of things, but they're significantly higher than dying of COVID. And anybody who doesn't acknowledge that, I don't know why they, this administration refuses. It's, it's a form of corruption, and it leads to a massive amount of distrust. I think if they came at people like, they, like I just said, basically, perhaps more uh, cleverly and more directly, and said, hey, you know, for the elderly, for at-risk populations— get the shot. It will definitely help. We have the data to show that it will help for young, healthy, for everybody else, kind of figure it out on your own, what you want to do, your comfort level. It's up to you. And for young people, we don't recommend it. The European Union, other countries around the world have stopped giving the shot to young and healthy people. They've stopped recommending the shot, I should say, for young and healthy people for the very same reason that I just told you. You don't hear about it in this country because it's wildly inconvenient to the pharmaceutical companies and to their masters or actually their servants in government for whatever reason. I don't get it. I'm not somebody who demonizes the pharmaceutical industry. My mother lived as long as she did because of the pharmaceutical industry. She took a pharmacy for most of her life after she lost her leg. It was, uh, you know, pain medications and circulation drugs. and She was told she'd never lived. She wasn't told, but the doctors told my dad she'd never lived to see 50. She lived to be 77. That was in no small part her will to live. And it certainly wasn't her. She was a horrible eater. But it was uh, her will to live and pharmaceuticals. 
that did it in medical procedures and advances in medicine from the time that she first had her circulatory problems to the time that she you know passed on so i am not an enemy of the pharmaceutical industry in any way shape or form but the slavishness with which these government officials it's like they're afraid to change recommendations in the middle of it like okay no caution nothing no hey maybe we shouldn't give this to young boys because it messes with their heart or too many of their hearts that more young people have died from the heart issues than from covid young healthy boys maybe you want to i don't know rethink the situation and no instead you get dr ashish ja up there saying we can prevent everything if you just go ahead and do this you wonder why nobody trusts these people it's because they prove themselves regularly to be untrustworthy okay that's enough for today i told you it'd be a very short show one it was actually longer than i intended it to be but in any event hopefully your drive isn't that far that you're already at your destination have yourself a merry little thanksgiving and tomorrow we've got david limbaugh on the program so look forward to that and the week in f and review sign up for that happy thanksgiving <laughs>